Good morning. My name is Kimberly Mum. I sing on the worship team sometimes, as you can see. I'm here to read the scriptures, so let's get going. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Good morning. Thank you, Kimberly. Oh, what a joy it is to be with you guys today. My name is James. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're here for the first time, we are so glad that you could join us. Uh, we've been in a series called Hashtag Blessed. It doesn't mean what you think it means, obviously quoting from Princess Bride, and the idea being that as we look at this, oftentimes we see as blessing as something that we receive, something that I am blessed because I have this stuff. And what we're really looking at is that actually what Scripture says is we are blessed to be a blessing. And we've been going through this, um, kind of, we're taking the series out of an acronym by a book by David Ferguson. You can get some copies out in the, the hallway that are still out there in the, in the lobby called Bless, or B-L-E-S-S is the series that we're going through. And we started a few weeks ago with the letter B of begin with prayer, emphasizing the necessity of prayer for those around us who, who don't know Jesus, of engaging with our neighbors, and, and that prayer isn't just something we pray to be able to change other people or even to change our circumstances, but that as we pray, it actually changes us, that God uses prayer to make us more attentive to his spirit, to be able to align our hearts more to his heart and enable us to notice the ways in which God is moving. So we pray to be able to have not just God work through us, but also God work in us. And so we begin with prayer as we engage our neighbors and the people that God has placed us around. And then last week we looked at L for listen. And we looked at how we need to listen with, with curiosity and care. That's kind of the why of listening. And we saw that the opposite of listening is not speaking, but waiting to speak. And how often we get distracted in that process. We looked at how Jesus listened and cared for people and how people are desperate in these times to find someone to be able to listen to them. And if you're here today and you didn't listen or you're listening online, you didn't see, hear last week's message, please go check it out. You can find it on YouTube, Facebook, on our website. As today is basically a follow-up to that, a kind of a part two of that message from last week. And I've had more people reach out to me this week uh, practically regarding what was spoken of than I've had since last summer when I gave an intensely personal message you know, on sexual abuse as a child and all the rest of it that I experienced. And I've had so many people reach out to me this week and meet with me and talk with me as, as they're recognizing the need. And I've had so many people ask, you know, what more of the how of how do we do this? And almost everyone that I've met with this week or spoken to about this or they've talked about it has said, you know, they deeply struggle to listen well. And that multiple people even asked if I would follow up on it. And so this week, here is, here's part two. But um, 
In conversations this week, I've loved, I've had so many people share of how they've been caught themselves this week as they were one-upping someone else in a conversation, if you were here last week, and talking about, you know, trying to one-up a story or sharing in some way, and even as multiple meals this week, I've had people catch themselves and stop, like mid-sentence, oh, James, I was about ready to tell a better story, and they're catching themselves right in the midst of it, right, or, or telling them, you know, that I'm catching themselves, interrupting, oh, I'm doing it again, because we are so naturally prone to interrupt and to, and to make it about ourselves in those times, and Listening well is something, I mean, I love that people are becoming more aware because it's something we have to be aware of. We, we, it doesn't come naturally to listen well to others, and yet we are called to consider others. Naturally, we focus on ourselves. We are very selfish human beings in the natural. And as we spoke about last week, listening is the most valuable skill there is in creating connection and developing relationships and establishing trust. Yet strangely, listening is something that almost no one ever receives any teaching on. There's no classes in school that kids learn about listening well. There's no even a really adult class, unless you're training to be a counselor of some kind, that you would get training in the area of listening, despite the fact that it's pretty much one of the most important skills for us to learn. And it's crazy when you recognize just how central it is. Yet it also makes perfect sense that no one has training because you don't see anyone doing it well. Very rarely, at least. You see how polarized our world is and all that's going on, and we are not good at listening to one another. And so today, I want to take some time to offer some insights on how do we grow in listening well, to be able to engage with God's heart for others. And as followers of Jesus, our goal is to increasingly become like Jesus in how we live in love. Not just to be able to quote a bunch of scripture, not just to get a gold star for sin avoidance when we're all said and done, but as we saw last week, we are, Jesus listened well. People were drawn to Jesus, not just because of the miracles or fantastic sermons, but because Jesus was fully present with them. They saw that Jesus cared for them, and he listened well. They knew that Jesus saw them and loved them. They felt seen and, and present, whether it be the blind man on the, on the side of the road, whether it be the woman caught in adultery, the, the, whether it be Zacchaeus or, or, or Nicodemus or Mary or Martha. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Jesus listened well, and that means we need to listen well. And if we want to see people who don't know Jesus experience Jesus' life and experience his love, it means we must be able and willing and growing and demonstrating that life and love of Jesus to the world around us. And we do that by listening. And many others, but listening is core to that. I love Francis Schaeffer, who was one of the most influential Christian, uh, Christians of the 20th century and someone who is famous for, for listening well. And, and he was once asked, if you had an hour to share your faith with someone what would you say? His response was, I'd spend 55 minutes listening to their story and asking lots of questions, and then spend five minutes sharing the gospel. I love that. People don't care what you have to say until they can see that you care, and he gets that. And I want this to be practical today, and so I'm going to kind of summarize kind of 25 years of full-time ministry of, of, of serving others. And a lot of what I'm sharing today, really, some of it comes from scripture, but a lot of it just comes from psychologists and thought leaders over the years and books and what we're talking about today isn't just about evangelism and, and reaching out to uh, the people who are lost. It applies to every single relationship in our lives. The more we apply this, the more we'll experience fruitfulness in our relationships, the more impact it will have, and whether it be in our marriages or with our children or with parents or teachers or friends or neighbors. I mean, every single human interaction we have will benefit as a result of growing as listening. Oftentimes, our initial conversations can begin in small talk. We talked about that last week and gave out kind of those questions we said a way to kind of begin or go deeper in conversations and, and it's essential that we begin that conversation that, that starts somewhere but as the conversation continues and people begin to talk we must grow in being able to, to create deeper levels of connection by listening and, 
And it's imperative that we grow in becoming the hands, the feet, and the ears of Jesus, right, as we engage with people. And so that's why today's message is titled Listening Well. And today I'm going to be departing kind of from my norm of just unpacking large sections of Scripture, uh, though what we're saying is still deeply rooted in the life of Jesus. So we're starting in Philippians chapter 2, one of my favorite passages that I love meditating upon again and again. And there's few passages that I go through that I'm more consistently convicted of as I read. And so that was our reading this morning, but I want to highlight just a a section of it, verse 1 to 5. It starts and says this, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then, then make, my, or make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. And here it is, three. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. After this, then Paul goes on to explain how Jesus gave his life for us, became a slave for us, and died for us. And and he says, that's how Christ loved us. So therefore, that is what other centered this look like. That's the attitude that you're to have. And so this is what Paul is telling the Philippians to strive for, to selflessly love one another, to actually consider the interests of others above their own interests, to not focus on themselves, but to see others. And just like Jesus did, as he still does. And he's not saying, I just want to emphasize this here, Paul is not saying let people walk over you. He's not saying to only consider the interests of others and deny yourself and and have no boundaries. Sometimes people that are kind of struggling in emotion, the bottom of an emotional well can read this stuff and say, ah, it just means I have to do more. He's just saying I have to try harder and and it's all about self-sacrifice and not caring for others. And if that's what you're hearing, you're not hearing the words of Jesus, right? That's not what this is saying. This is saying don't only consider your own interests, but also the interests of others. But verse 3 and 4 are so challenging, I want to hit him again. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And as you read that, I mean, how much conviction floods over you when you read that? I've read it over a thousand times over the years, and every single time when I look at this, it's still just going, oh, yeah, that hits hard. I mean, obviously, we can never live this out to perfection this side of eternity, But do we actually believe this? Or is this something we just ignore? I mean, maybe I believe it in the best moments of my best days, but Paul doubles down on this and he says, I'm not exaggerating here. He says, actually, have the same attitude as Christ. And that explains how Jesus lived this out. And he says, become like Jesus. This is how Jesus lived. And so this this passage, in my opinion, is kind of the foundation for all of ministry that we do, of how that the attitude from which we live out of. But the thing is, we also can't just start here. If you start here, it'll just be out of works-based, and it'll be exhaustion. We have to start with the identity. That's why we just went through Ephesians for six months, of our identity in Christ, of who we are in Christ as this child. The only way we can actually love and live the way that Paul is talking about here is that first, we are established in reality of who Christ is and what he has done, that we are his children. And we can love this way to love others sacrificially because Christ has loved us. But if we're not living out of that identity, all of this just becomes effort and work that will lead to exhaustion and burnout. But this passage, again, is basically, to me, the foundation of how we listen well. So let's break it down. He says, don't be selfish, to start with. He says, don't focus on yourself, right? Don't be selfish. It's not about you. And then he says, don't try to impress others. Again, it's not about you. Loving our neighbors requires giving them our full attention, 
setting aside our insecurities. So stop making it about us. It's so easy. We get stuck in our insecurities to just be internally focused again and again and again. And he says, no, don't make it about you. Instead, don't try to impress others. Don't be selfish. And next he says, be humble. All good listening requires humility. Because to be able to listen well, you actually have to be curious. You have to believe there's something that they can share that you don't know. And that requires humility to be able to listen well. Next, he says, think of others as better than yourself. This means in humility, we actually believe there is so much we can learn from others. Especially those we deeply disagree with on issues that maybe are contentious. And those who are hurting. We listen not with, we need to listen not just with a desire to be right or to prove our point or to look good, but we listen in order to be able to care for them, to genuinely bless the people around us. Next, he says, don't only look only to your own interests, but take an interest in others too. He says, yes, take care of yourself. Please hear that if you're prone to just kind of lay your life down and be a doormat for others. But he says, we must look for the interests of others. What is important to them? What matters to them? We must care for them. Amen? In other words, he says, we must listen well. Now, that sounds simple enough. Last week, I kind of joked about this as I shared, you know, if you want to be one of the best listeners in the world percentage-wise, all you have to do is just shut up, right? Because few people, it seems, in this world are able to shut their mouths. If you want to be like one of the top listeners in the world, just shut up, and already you're in the top like 1% of listeners in the world. And that's true. Just shut up, and you're doing good as far as the act of listening. But if you want to listen well, though, that actually requires a lot of work, practice, and intentionality. If we want to listen well, it's a skill that we have to develop, and that's what we want to talk about today. Many of you may have heard the phrase of active listening. That was huge in corporate world back in the 90s. It got really popular, and even since then, I mean, it's kind of the foundation of communication, and, or at least of listening well. And basically, listen, active listening is kind of this idea that you learn to pay close attention when people are speaking. You specific emphasize that you don't judge what's being said, you don't, uh, but instead you ask clarifying questions, and, and one of the main key points is you reflect back to people what they're saying. And it's been around for a long time. I learned this back in high school because I, I was chosen to be a natural helper. Any natural helpers from high school here? Just curious. A few of us, yes. I was chosen one. I don't know why. No one ever wanted to talk to me, and I was really bad at listening, but somehow I, I, I was chosen for that. I was terrible, but... Um, Honestly, it's really good stuff, active listening. And I recommend, if you don't know about it, to go you know, Google some stuff, watch some videos on it. I, I've linked a bunch of resources on the final slide you can find in our sermon resources page with today's date, if you click on that, with a bunch of resources on the final slide there. But there's a massive problem with a lot of active listening skills and teaching that's out there. And, and that's because just learning skills of how to listen does not mean we're actually caring or loving for other people. It's easy to go through the motions and just kind of say stuff and ask robotically questions and not actually care for the people, not actually loving them in ways that they feel heard. The best example of this I've actually seen is from a great clip from one of my favorite sitcoms in uh, The Big Bang Theory. And if you've... Uh... First there was PlayStation, a.k.a. PS1. Then there's PS2, PS3, and now PS4. And that makes sense. You'd think after Xbox, there'd be Xbox 2. But no. Next came Xbox 360. Hmm? And now, after 360, comes Xbox One. Why one? Maybe that's how many seconds of thought they put into naming it. Can you get the butter, please? Yeah. However, with the Xbox One, I can control my entire entertainment system using voice commands. Up until now, I've had to use Leonard. Then get the other one. Pass the butter. Get, hang on. I don't feel like you're taking this dilemma seriously. 
Fine, Sheldon. You have my undivided attention. Okay, now, the PS4 is more angular and sleek looking. No way! It's true. But the larger size of the Xbox One may keep it from overheating. Well, you wouldn't want your gaming system to overheat. No, see, well, you absolutely would not. And furthermore, the Xbox One now comes with a Kinect included. Included? Yes. <laughs> Not sold separately. You, although the PS4 uses cool new GDDR5 RAM, while the Xbox One is still using the conventional DDR3 memory. Why would they still be using DDR3? Are they nuts? You, <laughs> see, that's what I thought. But then they go and throw in an ES RAM buffer. Oh, wait, wait a second. Who's they? The Xbox. You're kidding! No, I am not. And this ES RAM buffer should totally bridge the 100 gigabit per second bandwidth gap between the two RAM types. This is a nightmare. How will you ever make a decision? You see, I don't know. What should I do? Please pass the buyer! Amy does all the active listening steps perfectly there, right? She gives Sheldon her full attention. She reflects back to him. She validates his concerns. She even encourages him. But obviously, this is Hubert, it's over the top, but the truth is, why does Amy do all that? Right? Because she wants something selfishly, right? It's all based upon her own self-interest. She is selfish, and she's moving not in humility, not in desire to learn, but simply out of forgetting what she wants done. And we can laugh at an absurd example like that, but in reality, are we really any better, though, is the question. How much of our listening to others is not rooted in actually an other-centeredness of love and care for how they're doing and being present to them, but really just self-interest and getting to what we want, not rooted in the heart of Jesus or genuinely caring others. We're listening often because maybe the pastor told us we should, or maybe because we feel if I want, if I want them to listen to me, it means I have to listen to them first, but still it's to fulfill your own agenda. Or maybe we feel that we talk too much and so therefore we need to listen in order, in order to not feel so bad about talking too much. Whatever it is, it's not rooted in caring for others oftentimes, but it's rooted really in our own self-interest. And that's not the way of Jesus. The best illustration of this I've seen is another clip I want to be able to show. And it's from one of my favorite movies of all time. A film that was basically part, a good chunk of it written by two of the most leading psychologists in the, in the country today in emotional health and other things. Of course, the movie I'm referring to is Dumb and Dumber. Um, no, uh, but it's, it's uh, Inside, or it was it, Plex, or what's the name of the company? Pixar's Inside Out. So I want to show this clip, and it's going to go blank again if you're watching online. Feel free to be able to just go to YouTube. In fact, I would encourage you to pause where you're watching online. Go to YouTube and just click, what is it, Inside Out Active Listening. It'll show the clip. It's another minute and a half. So let's check that out. Riley can't be done with me. Hey, it's gonna be okay. We can fix this. We just need to get back to headquarters. Which way to the train station? I had a whole trip planned for us. Hey, who's ticklish, huh? Here comes the tickle monster. Hey, Bing Bong, look at this. Oh, here's a fun game. You point to the train station and we all go there. Won't that be fun? Come on, let's go to the train station. I'm sorry they took your rocket. They took something that you loved. It's gone forever. Sadness. Don't make him feel worse. Sorry. 
It's all I had left of Riley. I bet you and Riley had great adventures. Oh, they were wonderful. Once we flew back in time, we had breakfast twice that day. Sadness! It sounds amazing. I bet Riley liked it. Oh, she did. We were best friends. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. <laughs> I'm okay now. Come on, the train station is this way. I can't recommend that film enough, to be honest. Um, in our Bible school we ran in South Africa, every year we would force all of our students to watch it. Um, and it would actually be many hours to watch it because we'd be just constantly pausing it and showing the reality of this, this, the deep, deep truths of just emotional health and how to engage and how to engage with other people. Like, if you've never seen it, please watch it with your family. But pray before you do it, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to it. It's an incredible film. Um, but in that clip, Joy is selfishly trying to get Bing Bong to do what she wants, take him to the train station. And all of her eff- efforts are really just out of a selfish motive to get her interests. Whereas Paul goes on to say she's pursuing her self-interest, right? That's all that she cares about. And she's trying to distract. She's trying to diminish Bing Bong's pain. She's, she's making it all about herself. And, and honestly, if she just quoted Jeremiah 29, 11, and then maybe if she uh, you know, told a long, meandering story of how she went through an even worse situation at some point in the past, she'd be very much like many well-meaning Christians today when we try to address people who are hurting today. And so often when we handle things, it's kind of like joy, where we don't actually hear at all. We diminish, we are uncomfortable with people's pain, and sitting in that place, we try and fix and solve, and don't actually know how to sit and listen and be present to them. But the hero of this movie, Inside Out, is actually sadness, and she comes in and she actually listens. She hears what Bing Bong is going through. She empathetically connects with him. She draws out more of a story, and in one minute, she gives just a, a master class on listening. Bing Bong feels heard. Sadness helps Bing Bong identify what he's been feeling. And, and it's never about sadness's agenda, but it's about being present to where he is at. And that's what we are called to do, is to be present to our neighbors. Present to those around us. Present to those the Lord is leading us to. And as we saw last week, listening is often the first step in loving others. As today, loving and listening are, are almost indistinguishable from one another. And there's a massive difference, though, between hearing and listening well. And that's really what I want to emphasize today is I love how Simon Sinek put it. Simon Sinek is one of the most brilliant cultural anthropologists alive today. He's got over a billion views of his views on YouTube and on social media. And he's a brilliant man. He says there's a massive difference between the art of listening and the act of listening. A quote I love is he says, true listening doesn't happen unless someone feels heard. You see, I don't get to decide if I'm a good listener, if I'm listening well. I can't prove I'm a good listener by parroting back to someone the words they've said. True listening only happens when someone actually feels heard. And this is really easy to understand if you're married. And listening, perception is reality. For some reason, Sarah does not feel heard when I have an AirPod earbud in my ear, right? For some reason, she doesn't feel heard, even if I'm listening to every word. You know, I can respond and say, yes, I am listening to you. And I can tell back to her verbatim every single word she just told me in perfect order. And she will still say, you're not listening to me. And she would be right. Why? Because she doesn't feel heard in that moment. Or maybe she shares something that she's struggling with with me. And and I, I keep giving her practical solutions. And she might say, James, you're not listening to me. 
And I'd like to say I only did this early in our marriage, but I might still do it sometimes today. If, if I could come back to her and I could then offer her endless solutions to all of her problems and explain to her every single thing she just said, and here's how she can fix every single one of them, she'll finish with those famous words, James, you're not listening to me. And while I say, but I just fixed your life for you. I mean, it's all good. Just do what I said, right? James, you're not listening to me. And she'd be right. I haven't heard what she's saying. She doesn't feel heard. If people don't feel heard, true listening hasn't happened. So do our kids feel heard when they're talking to us? If not, we're not listening. Does our spouse feel heard when they're talking to us? If not, we're not listening. Do our coworkers feel heard? Do our neighbors feel heard? Do our friends feel heard? Do our parents feel heard? There's a massive difference between the act of listening and the art of listening well. Simon goes on to put it this way. He says, listening is not the act of hearing words spoken. It is the art of understanding the meaning behind those words. When people say, you aren't listening to me, and we simply parrot back the words that were said, congratulations, your ears work, he says. That is the act in the act of listening. But the art of listening is creating an environment in which the other person feels heard. To listen well, people must feel understood. They must feel seen. It must be genuine. We must actually care about and demonstrate it to them. So then how do we grow in listening well in the ways that people feel heard and understood? And for that, I've kind of boiled it down to kind of five of the main points that I think are important or steps of listening well. And the first couple seem really obvious, but are usually avoided as well. And so to start with, and these kind of five steps, number one would be pray. And I can't emphasize this enough. We spoke about it a couple weeks ago. But pray, and, and not just pray, Lord, do something, but pray, Lord, open up my ears and my eyes to hear what they're saying and what they're meaning. But then at the same time, always in the second stream, may I be able to listen to what you are saying at the same time, right? Number two, minimize distractions. This is so important this day and age. Phones must be out of sight when we are listening to someone and seeking to understand. Not on a table, not on a desk, not in our hand, but away in our pocket, in a purse. Don't make them even visible because it will be a distraction. And this will be especially true for millennials and the younger generation, even more so than older ones, as it just kind of becomes an appendage of our body. No TVs with an eyesight, if at all possible, but we must actually minimize distractions if we want to listen well. Next, number three, replace judgment with curiosity. This doesn't mean judging as in, you know, you're a bad person or I don't like you, but avoiding the natural response that we have within us anytime we're listening to begin deciding whether or not we agree with what's saying or whether what is being said is right or wrong. That's so often how we respond when people talk. We spend the energy trying to determine our opinion about what they just said and figuring out how we're going to respond. And instead, we must be curious and empathetic, seeking to really listen and understand where they're coming from and asking multiple follow-up questions of seeking to understand. And again, this isn't saying that we don't speak truth. This or, or, or this isn't saying that truth is relative or doesn't matter in some way. And it's not buying into kind of garbage of your truth and my truth. And everyone has their own particular truth. It's simply seeking to meet people where they are at. We can use questions like, wow, what was that like as you were going through that? Or, Tell me more. How is that impacting you today when you went through that? Or, wow, I can't imagine going through that. How did you feel in that moment of just drawing out and seeking to understand in the moment? And, and often, this is one of the hardest things for Christians to do in conversations. And, and being a good listener, it's because oftentimes Christians, we feel this built-in compulsion within us that when someone says something that we disagree with, we have to express our disagreement. 
That somehow if we don't, we aren't speaking the truth in love or we're somehow condoning the behavior, the belief, if we don't immediately disagree with them in the moment. But the crazy thing is Jesus hung out with prostitutes and and murderers and thieves and tax collectors. And he listened well long before he came back with some type of message of, of pointing them to the deeper truth. He first listened and listened well until they heard him. In fact, the only people that Jesus interrupts mid-sentence in order to force a different opinion upon them is who? It's the Pharisees. And so over and over, what do we do? We talk with people. We inter- when we interject, we diminish their opinion. We make them feel unheard and unseen. I mean, as parents, we do this with our children all the time. I mean, this is pretty much the entirety of what Twitter exists for. It's most of what Facebook is filled with, of giving my, of giving my opinion. Whenever I see an opinion that's different than mine, I feel I have to respond. Every, the world needs to know that I disagree with this. And judging whatever is said is right or wrong anytime. But if we're really trying to listen to someone, if we're trying to reach a neighbor or a child or a friend who is far from Jesus, that approach does not work. We have to listen. I mean, how often does someone on Twitter or Facebook actually change their opinion or listen when you go and give an opposite opinion or someone else comes in and flames them with the opposite opinion? How often does that change an opinion? Or parents, if your kid is believing something or doing something that is not healthy, how often do you, by saying, you shouldn't do that, believe me when I say, how often does that tactic work? Almost never. There's a reason, there's something called the theory of psychological resistance. It's built into our nature that when someone tries to get us to do something that that is different than what we believe, we build a natural resistance and become defiant to it. It's just a thing that's within human nature that science has figured out that is what we all do. And instead, we must listen well so a person feels heard and not judged as right or wrong in the moment. In fact, studies have shown that high-quality listening fosters open-mindedness even amongst the most defensive people. So if you actually want to see someone be open and change a thought, behavior, a pattern, the best way, the most obvious tactic, scientifically, is actually to listen and to create a space where they're willing to be heard and, and listened. Number four, we need to grow in letting people empty their bucket. And that means to let people, you know, get it all out. Don't interrupt Don't tell a better story. If you ever feel you need to empathize by telling a story, you make it really super brief, just identifying, but do not tell the whole story. Do not make it a better one. Ask follow-up questions until they've shared and they feel understood. Nothing builds trust and connection like that, even among people who deeply disagree. You know, the phrase, empty the bucket, it comes from Dia Khan, who is a Norwegian-Iranian journalist. And... um, She's a Muslim woman who was interviewed by the BBC in a clip years ago where she was talking Muslims' rights. And for some reason, that clip went like wildfire amongst uh, white supremacists here in America, even though she was in the UK at the time. And, and they started flooding her with horrific comments and death, death threats and even worse things. And, and Dia's response to this a few years back was instead of fighting against it, she flew to America, moved to America, and began to meet with all these white supremacists, literally Nazi sympathizers who would do Hail Hitler, were actually doing race crimes and all this other stuff. And she met with them over months and months and months and filmed it as she began to just to listen to their stories and listen to them. It's an incredible thing that she did. In fact, she made a movie of it. I can't actually recommend the movie because the, the language is beyond horrific because it's all these horrific Nazis and, and, and white supremacist language that are saying horrific things. But it's, it's called White Right, um, Meeting the Enemy. You can actually watch it for free on Canopy streaming service if you have a library card. But 
There's also an incredible podcast I can't recommend enough that Simon Sinek did called Extreme Listening with Dia Khan, in which she kind of breaks it down. That's D-E-E-Y-A-H-K-H-A-N. I put the link in the, the last slide there. But in this film, if you watch it, which I can't recommend because it's got too much bad stuff in it, but if you happen to, uh, give, she gives these insanely hateful people the chance to just have a safe space to talk. And she just listens and draws out question after question. It's incredible. She lets them empty their bucket. They're calling her horrific names. They're making lewd and racist comments, telling her they want her kicked out of America. They want her killed. And then even worse, worse things than that and violated in terrible ways. But she continues to listen. And because they feel heard, these white supremacists begin to trust her. And eventually many of them call her friend. And as she spends more time with them, even as they are committing horrific race crimes, she goes with them as they're committing horrific race crimes against Jewish people and people of color. While she's with them, as a result of her listening, some of the people who hate her to begin the film at the end call her a friend and walk away from the movement. Why? Because they felt heard. I've never seen a more powerful picture of the power of listening, specifically amongst those who vehemently disagree. And to me, there's so much for us as Christians to learn from that. And in many ways, it reminds me kind of the things I've spent years doing in South Africa. I've told a lot of the stories of working amongst those trapped in lives of gangsters with violent murderers and rapists and other stuff. And, and in those situations, I just, my job was to go and listen to stories. And I would just go in and, and explain, share the love of Christ by listening. And as they shared and poured out their hearts, and the more I listened, the more trust was earned. And eventually, all of my curiosity towards them and their circumstances and their worldview led to them being curious about mine and my worldview. And eventually led me to be able to them asking questions of being able to share about where my worldview comes from and why it's so different that it's rooted in Christ. And so many of those guys eventually ended up going on to accept Christ. But for us to listen well like this, it means we have to care enough to give people time to talk. We have to be willing to be interested in them more than ourselves and interested in their story and their life, to hear their worldview and their perspectives, ideally until their silence and sometimes we're just terrible with silence. We don't know what to do with it, but silence gives people a chance to breathe. It shows they've, they've let it out. We need to not be afraid of silence in conversations. And when people truly feel heard, they feel loved. This is one of the greatest tools I know for listening well and loving like Christ. For a simple conversation, it might just take 30 seconds or a minute on a simple issue as you meet someone on the street or a neighbor. For someone going through a lot of pain, it may take hours and multiple conversations. But God has called us to love our neighbors. And that means we need to listen well. But this truth isn't just about reaching the lost or anyone else. It's also just as impactful for our spouses. Just as impactful for, for a teenager who's off the rails or an adult child who's walked away from God or a transgender co-worker who's angry at Christians or maybe an immigrant neighbor who's, who's struggling with new life here in America or with anyone going through any kind of difficulty or stress or pain. Really, any human being who's breathing this is incredibly practical. We need to let people empty their buckets. And then the last point. The last point I want to make, I'm kind of hesitant to share, only because in our polarized nature, sometimes we can misunderstand it. But it's an important part of people feeling heard, and it creates deeper connection. And that is we must validate or empathize with what is being said. We must affirm the reality of the experience and empathize with people. The psychologist, Dr. Ali Mato, has tons of stuff on this on, on, online to read about this. But I want to emphasize that validation is not affirming something as good. It's not judging something as good or, or, or right. It's not agreeing with someone and saying that your opinion, you agree with their worldview or you agree with their opinions. Uh, validating is not even condoning a behavior or belief. It's simply affirming the reality of their experience to them. 
It's empathy. It's acknowledging that the pain and the grief and the frustration or even the excitement is real. This is what sadness did so well in that video in Inside Out. It's looking to the interests of others, as Paul says, not just our own. You know, I do this all the time with people who, are deep, who I deeply, deeply disagree with and kind of put all these, these steps in together. You know, a while back, I was meeting with a, a married couple who were in the process of, of looking at divorce. And they were doing terrible, terrible things to each other. Both of them were deeply hurting, and they were equal responsibility, it seemed, from what was going on. And, and I could have just interrupted as I met with each of them separately, and I could have interrupted them every single sentence multiple times with all the terrible things they were saying that just weren't true or weren't based in reality, but I didn't do that. Instead, I listened. I let them empty their bucket. I validated their pain. I empathized with them, saying things like, man, I can understand why that would hurt so much. Oh, that must have been terrible to go through, and I can't imagine experiencing that, just acknowledging their pain. And that created trust. I barely knew these people prior to these meetings. But I was able to go, I was able later to go back and then ask them some questions as as they were able to get it all out and feel heard and feel listened to. I was able to ask them questions from a different perspective. And and once their bucket was empty and they truly felt heard, we were able to acknowledge some of their responsibility of what was going on and be able to begin to talk about as they're willing then to listen at that point to how maybe there's some positive steps they could take and, and their own level of responsibility. Or another example, recently I was in a conversation with someone who's completely deconstructing their faith. Um, they're turning away from God and they believe all these just terrible things. And, and even though I radically disagreed with like 90% of what this person was saying, my job at that point was to listen to them. If I had been in a hearing mode rather than a listening mode, I would have interrupted pretty much every single sentence. I would have debated them on every single thing they said. I would have been argumentative. My body language would have showed that I couldn't stand being in that conversation. And their psychological reactance would have been at full level. I would not have been a safe person. They would have listened to anything I had to say. They would have known that I was the enemy and it wouldn't have worked. But instead, I listened with curiosity. I asked a ton of questions. And I let them empty their bucket. And as they shared, I acknowledged their pain. I sought to understand what they were feeling. And even though a bunch of their pain was self-inflicted, it was genuinely self-sabotage in so many ways, I was prayerfully asking the Holy Spirit to help me to hear with his ears and to hear what they were saying, listen to both voices. And once their bucket was emptied and, and they knew that I was cared and they, had, they knew that I had listened, they asked that most amazing question. I said, James, what do you think? And the Lord just gave me an incredible opportunity. Once all the angst was out, all the anger was out, and I was just able to, began sharing very briefly, very gently, and some more follow-up questions as I began to point to the truth of who Christ is that I knew dwelled in them from childhood. It was to ask them questions and begin bringing these things up and separating you know, all the anger and the pain from the reality of who Jesus is. An incredible conversation. But if I had just jumped in immediately and began debating and counteracting everything they said without validating, those opportunities never would have existed. I would have just been put in the same category as everyone else they had talked to of you're against me and you don't understand. And it's not always about people who are in great hardship. Sometimes it's very straightforward of a a neighbor I was recently just speaking with who is overwhelmed at work and struggling with stress. And I just asked them a number of questions about how they were feeling and what that was like. And I empathized with their pain. and I validated what they were going through. And it was an incredible connection. They felt heard and they understood their own situation better than they did. And it was maybe a five-minute conversation, maybe six minutes out while they were out just doing an activity outside. And That was the first conversation, or maybe the second or third that we've had on something similar, and I'm trusting that God is going to open that door again, but they know that I care and that I'm listening. 
or the most common example I experience, I mean, all the time, is I come home from a day filled with actively listening to adults, having deep human conversations, and listening again and again and again, and then I go home to an amazing wife who has spent eight hours with three young children and no adult conversations much of the time. I'm exhausted, I'm done listening, I'm done listening well, I'm done actively considering the interests of others, I'm ready to be home, and then that's usually where I fail. Um, Far more than I succeed. It's a strange thing, Sarah, after talking about it. I'm a really good listener, usually, when I'm outside and doing ministry, at work, or even just out of the house, at restaurants, listening to others. But when I come home, it's like something happens and I just want that place to be able to turn on the newest Netflix's documentary or something else and just kind of zone out for a little bit. And It's so much easier to be selfish, and it's something I'm growing in. And not always, but on my better days, or on the better moments of my better days, I go through this. I minimize distractions. I... I seek to listen and ask questions. I let Sarah empty her bucket. I seek to validate what she's feeling, not as a tactic or some technique to get what I want, but simply because I love her. And I'll be honest, the place where I'm even worse than with Sarah, and if you're a parent of young children especially, you may know this one, it's with my kids. I've been so challenged, I've been kind of thinking through and processing through this stuff um, the last few weeks as I spend time with my kids and I, I notice how frequently I interrupt them, not just them interrupting me. How frequently I don't validate their feelings and their experiences. How frequently I assume what they're going to say and how frequently I talk to them while I'm text messaging somebody else or or doing someone else without giving them my full attention. You know, it's really hard sometimes you've been a parent. I mean, how do you validate a young child who's having a meltdown for the 50th time because of arguing over who gets to sit on the left or right side of daddy at dinner time? That's a daily argument in our house, right? Now we got an order of, like, we just rotate through all three kids going around the table of who gets to sit where because it was just getting too difficult. But then they forgot who, who got sat in the right place and it was a total meltdown. How do you validate those feelings? That's hard. How do I validate every time I get in my car with all three of them of who gets to sit in the back seat in the third row and trying to you know, play you know, musical car, ch- or car, uh, car seats and moving them all around, it's a pain in the butt, and kids just have complete meltdowns. I mean, how do you validate a five-year-old's feelings of why he didn't get to sit in the back seat as much as his other brother and being present? It's just so much easier to say no and just move on, and there's places for that. But the reality is my kids just want to be heard. They want to be listened to, just like my wife wants to be listened to, and I want to be listened to, and our parents want to be listened to, regardless of age. And while I'm going to continue to fail over and over and over again, I want to be able to grow in listening well and demonstrating the heart of Jesus to the people around me. I want to grow in loving my wife well and my kids well and my neighbors well. And that means I need to grow in listening well, intentionally, practically. Amen? Paul said it this way, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. The most practical book I've read on this subject of listening is called The Art, The Lost Art of Listening by psychologist Dr. Michael Nichols. And he puts it this way. He says, genuine listening demands taking an interest in the speaker and what he or she has to say. To take an interest in someone else, we must suspend the interest of the self. Listening is the art by which we use empathy to reach across the space between us. Passive attention doesn't work. Now, I don't know if, Mark, if, if Dr. Nichols is a Christian or not, but he basically just summarized Philippians chapter 2 right there, the passage we looked at. In humility, seek the interest of others and genuinely care and allow the Holy Spirit to use us to be his hands and his feet and his ears as well as his mouth as we listen well. And so this week, may we grow in, in listening well. 
May you move towards the people that we've been praying for, and not just them towards neighbors, towards friends, towards family. Maybe it's a teenager or a child who you've been frustrated with. Maybe it's a coworker who you seem to never be able to understand and annoys you. Maybe it's a spouse where there's been tension in the marriage. Maybe it's a parent who you feel doesn't understand you, or a neighbor who's, while they're out mowing the lawn, whatever it may be, may we intentionally this week notice, do this, and notice the difference. As you do it, you will see the difference. As we begin with prayer, and then you give your full attention without distractions. And then we don't judge the content of what's being said, but we seek to be curious. Emphasize, do not let yourself determine your opinion of what you think is right or wrong. Just listen and listen well. And then let them empty their bucket. Ask follow-up questions. What was that like for you? How did you feel after that? How is that impacting you today? And then validate and empathize. Affirm the reality of their experience. Help them know that they're being heard. And the crazy thing happens when we do that. People feel heard They feel loved, and then they're also willing to listen, and God opens so many doors in those situations. Over and over, I can testify the times where God has used this to open up doors for me to be able to share his life and his love with others. May we grow with loving well and listening well. On the website are some discussion questions if you go under sermon resources, as well as the links to some of those sources, or those resources I was speaking about. But just before we pray, the, one of the greatest ways I know practically to grow in this is we have coming up in the fall. It's called One to One. Uh, it's a ministry of Stephen's Ministries we're beginning. It's the best possible way. If you want to seriously grow, if you recognize you want to grow in listening well and ministering well to other people, I don't know of a single program out there that's better than this. It's, it's, the way it's set up is it's top-notch teaching. Alicia shared about it last week. It's top-notch teaching you're listening to. And then the main emphasis is tons of practical, hands-on role-playing as you go through, practicing through. So every week is going to be a different topic. It's a serious commitment because it's not just a Band-Aid solution. It's not just a sermon that gives you a little bit of information, but it's week after week, each week, a different topic, focusing on maybe it's depression, maybe it's loneliness, maybe it's suicide, whatever it is, of teaching on that. And then role-playing, how do you actually care for someone that's going through that situation? It's incredible. The best I've seen on the subject for the average person to be able to go through with, I cannot recommend it enough kicking off here in the fall. It's a serious commitment, but it will literally change your life. It will change the way you engage with the world, and I can't recommend it enough. All right. Let's pray as we finish. Father, thank you, Lord, that as Philip says, you showed us the way by giving your life for us. This isn't just something where you say, now go serve others and lay down for others, but you laid down your life for us. And now you ask for us to do the same for others, Lord Jesus. And sometimes we think of that, Lord, as being the big stuff of, you know, dying for someone, or giving away all my money. But, and those things are, sometimes those things are reality, but so often it's just seeking the interest of others in a conversation to love others and make them feel heard and loved. And Jesus, may you grow us in our capacity as your followers, Lord, to hear from others, to listen well, and to be conduits of your spirit, your love, your grace to those who are far from you. Jesus, use us as your hands, your feet, and your ears, Lord God. I pray for an increasing sensitivity to where we are interrupting and redirecting conversations to be about us as we're reaching out to those who are hurting and lost. Jesus, may you embolden us this week, especially as it's July 4th and there's so many barbecues and gatherings that are happening in neighborhoods around, Lord. May this week, may we be intentionally moving towards others to be able to help them experience your life and your love through us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.